0: Welcome to Resurrection City Church. My name is Joel. I am one of the pastors. If you're checking us out, thank you so much. Um, and while I have while I have the opportunity, to do so I just want to say a, a huge thanks, huge shout out to our launch team. Uh, they've been incredible. They have been people who have been working behind the scenes to help me and Julie uh, to get this off the ground. and We really couldn't have done it without any of you. So thank you so much. Uh, we're going to be starting our very first sermon series as a church in the book of Ephesians. So if you have your Bible, uh, why don't you open it up right up to Ephesians 1. Um, it's in the New Testament. It's, uh, it's a little bit earlier on there. It's one of it's kind of in the middle of Paul's letters there. And, and I can't think of a better book of the Bible for us to be uh, starting off with as we launch this church. To kind of pair these two together, I think, is a, a really good idea. Um, there's a few different reasons for that. One, the book of Ephesians has been hugely influential on me. And, and Julie, and it has really shaped our vision as a church as, and along with our values. And as we move through the series, you'll kind of see that uh, kind of play out. Um, you'll, you'll see why that's the case um, as we move forward. It's just such a big part of who we are as a church and what we want to accomplish has come uh, from this book in Ephesians. Um, and I think there's a couple of reasons why, um, why you'll see that as we work through the book of Ephesians, all right? Uh, first of all, if, if the Apostle Paul, this, this great uh, church planter, this great early leader in the church, could have re- had you read one of his letters, you can make a good case that this would be it. Um, some scholars think that if you distilled Paul's thought in all of his letters, you took them all together, you kind of threw them uh, in a blender, and you put one thing out of it, Ephesians might be that thing it kind of takes everything that Paul says and puts them together uh... in a way that's coherent um, and streamlined uh... And, and gets kind of the big points across really well and fits them together well too um, And on top of that some of our manuscripts for this book don't include the address to the church in ephesus in the beginning of it um, they just they just say to all the lord's holy people which means that this may have been circulated all over the place and and not just sent uh, to the to the uh, to the church in Ephesus Um, and on top of that um, almost all of Paul's letters address some specific uh, situations that are going on in the church uh, that he's writing to to let us know that it is indeed intended for this one uh, audience but Ephesians does not have any specific references it's very general it's very broad it could apply to any church and so, um, it just makes us think that there's a good chance that this letter was, was something that Paul wanted everybody to, to have a chance to read. All right? and, and another reason on top of it, that about why we want to do this book uh, as we kick off Resurrection City Church is the content of it. Okay, because this is a book about the church. It's a book about God. It's a book about Jesus, but it specifically uh, has a point of telling us what that means for us as a gathered church body. All right, and so for us starting a new church, it makes a lot of sense to, to spend some time working through this book and asking ourselves, what does it look like to be God's church in the midst of God's story in the way that Ephesians lays out because we think that will have a lot to do for us. Uh, Katie and Brett are a couple of people on our the, the aforementioned launch team that I just talked about earlier. They're a couple of OGs. We, we've been hanging out with Brett and Katie for a really long time, Julie and I. They've been in our small group for a long time. We've been really good friends with them for for an incredibly long time. They're they're incredible. If you ever have a chance to meet them, um, you will be very blessed just just for the opportunity to get to spend some time around them. Now, now, Katie recently went to South Korea in an effort to connect with her heritage, and she was telling me about, um, about this. She said, I've been eager to learn and experience as much as I can about Korea, partly because of my, I'm proud of my heritage and partly because I want to know where I came from, since I didn't experience it firsthand being adopted, but I've always felt a strong connection to it. I definitely feel like the more I learn, especially after visiting, the more I identify with the country and the culture that I came from. So one of the things that really stands out to me about that and how she's talked about it is that for Katie reflecting on her history and experiencing it helped her to understand better who she is. And so even though she's never lived in Korea... um, it's an essential part of who she is, and going back there, learning more about Korea helps her understand who she is and her specific story. And I think Ephesians offers us a similar uh, family history. And when we get into the book, we'll see how it forms, how we act in the present time as we get into touch more and more with where we came from, with our story, as a, as a, as a group of people, all right? Um... John Stott is a commentator. He's written a really good commentary in the book of Ephesians. You'll, You'll hear us refer to this several times throughout the series. But he talks about how the central theme of the book of Ephesians is God's new society. What it is, how it came into being through Christ, how its origins and nature were revealed to Paul, how it grows through proclamation, how we are to live lives worthy of it, and how one day it will be consummated when Christ presents his bride, the church, to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle, or any such thing, holy and without blemish. And for us, church planting is all about the growth of that new society, this thing that's kicked off in Christ, in the midst of this, this, this older world, this new society. We want to see that branch off and, and grow and be established in new places so we can grow that new society. And so that's, that's the heart behind church planting. Um... John Stott kind of breaks the book of Ephesians into into four different parts, and we actually are going to add one more as we break this book up into five parts, okay? So first off, and this is where we'll be here uh, today and for the next few weeks, it's in chapter 1, the new plan of grace that God has. And then we'll get into the second part of the book. This is in chapter 2, verses 1 to 10, the first half of chapter 2, the new life in Christ. Third, we'll we'll talk specifically about the new society. That's chapters 2, verse 11 through chapter 3, verses 13. Then we'll get into the fourth part of the book, which is the new standards for God's people. That's chapters uh, 4, verse 1 through chapter 5, 20. And then finally, we'll get into the new relationships um, and what what our relationships with each other look like as we're a part of this new society together. That's in chapters 5 verses 21 through the very end of the book chapter 6 verses 20 okay so we will be tracing God's cosmic plans and then how we fit into them that's kind of the that's kind of the, the basic idea for, for the book as a whole so wh- why don't we just get into it all right if you have your Bible like I said open it up to Ephesians 1 we're just going to be talking about uh, the first 14 verses of the book today all right so Ephesians 1 sorry the first 10 verses of the book today so uh, chapter 1 verses 1 and 2 let's go there right now I'll read it for us Paul an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to God's holy people in Ephesus the faithful in Christ Jesus grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ now we don't know a ton about the writing of this letter there are some scholars who think Paul is is potentially writing it from prison maybe even in the city of Ephesus um but what he gives is a is a standard greeting. He says, "Grace and peace." Now, this is something that we'll see actually at the very end of the book. He brings up again uh, for for the people that he's writing to. The, we'll just call them the Ephesians, even though we're we're not a hundred percent sure um, that that it's written specifically for that group of people. But he wishes grace and peace in other letters as well. And and John Barclay, he's a he's a Pauline scholar, uh, mentions in the book of. A, and some writing on the book of Galatians, which has the same uh, intro, grace and peace um, to the Galatians. He says, now we might be tempted to think that it's like a standard to whom it may concern or, or dear Ephesians or whatever, but since what follows in the book of Galatians, and this is, this is true in the book of Ephesians as well, since what follows it is the story of Christ and grace, and we'll find in Ephesians also uh, peace peace, is highlighted in chapters, uh, chapters 2 and 3, then we should see this as Paul rooting his readers in the story of grace and peace that he's about to tell. So for Paul to say, I wish grace upon you, and then to tell the story of grace, he's saying that readers of the book are part of that grace story. And, and that's us, right? That's us, this grace story, that, that, that Paul is telling about God, this is us being rooted in that as well, as we are readers of the book. Now, every good story includes some, some event that kicks it off. That's kind of how stories happen. You have some event that kicks everything off um, to make it go forward, right? So, if, if you're talking the movie the, of Black Panther... It's, it's Killmonger the bad guy. He's bringing Ulysses' his, claws body to Wakanda and showing them he's Wakandan, right? If, if it's the, the Netflix movie that came out recently, To All the Boys I Loved Before, it's Lara Jean's secret love letters getting sent to the boys that they're written about. And in Harry Potter, it's the letter being sent by Owl to the Dursley's house. In, in all of these stories that we love so much... Um, the story could not take place without this event that kicks it off, right? It has to be something that takes it from a state of 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 not being a real good story to being a great story. And in the book of Ephesians, the event that kicks it off is the grace of God that's given in order to enact this plan that we're gonna we're gonna get a a taste of here now, but we're gonna see p- uh, traced out throughout the book of Ephesians. In verse three, Paul says. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Now let me just highlight a couple of different things. Um, Paul says that, that we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing. A superabundance, that's what some scholars would, would call this, a superabundance of blessing has been given to us in Christ, okay? And that's the second thing I want to highlight, that this comes in Christ. These blessings come one way, in, through Christ. Now we're going to talk a little bit next week about what it means to be in Christ, but I just want to point out that in this passage um, in particular, and, and in the rest of Paul's writing too, this idea of being in Christ is so big. It it gives us and this community that God has created a distinctive shape at every uh, single turn. Think of it like um, like an all-in-one tool. You're starting to see some, some of these tool companies start to make tools that have... Um, like a base, kind of like, like with a trigger on it and you put the battery in there, right? But, but you have all these different heads that can go onto the base. And so you buy it and it's an all-in-one tool, right? So the same tool, it's a drill, it's a saw, it's a whatever you can think of, right? All these things plug into this same uh, piece, right? Uh, and you could look around your house, theoretically, probably not actually, but, but just go with me here. You you could look around a house that you built and you could say, I built this wall and this cabinet and these stairs all with this one tool, right? So imagine that God is building a house, right? Or, he's t- you know, this story is this house he's building. Christ is the all-in-one tool who has built everything, right? He has put it all together, okay? We're going to see that as we look through the book, book of Ephesians Paul continues in verses 4 and 5 for he chose us in him for God chose us in Christ before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight in love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will let's stop here before we go to verse 6 Um, Paul says that he chose us in love he predestined us Okay, this is kind of bringing up this idea of of, of election, um, and God's got this plan when He chooses people, right? Now we'll get into that subject more next week, and, and I, it's a really, I think it's going to be a really, uh, a really good sermon. So so make sure you check that one out. But so so I will kind of I will kind of uh, move on from that. But one thing I do want to highlight here is that Paul is talking about God's choice, His election of people that has nothing to do with with their value that comes from like a social standpoint, right? So if we read, you know, if you've you've read the book of Ephesians before, um, you know that Paul is addressing this book. He has, and he has slaves and he has women and he has Gentiles or non-Jews in mind in the writing of this book because he he gives specific instructions to all those groups of people. Now, if you know anything about the ancient world, um, slaves and women are completely underprivileged people. And if you're a Jew, you certainly don't have anything nice to say about Gentiles, especially in that time period, right? So for Paul to say, You've been if you're reading this book, you've been chosen by God, right? Knowing that he's reign to slaves and women and Gentiles, and means he's including them on the same level of this election that God has had for people who who are, like I said, underprivileged, that's a big deal, right? And that's something that we're longing for in this society today is for, 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 for groups of people that are underprivileged or to not have the same uh, social value or status uh, for those who have privilege, who have uh, power, right? for, for, for them to be put on the same level right, as these underprivileged people in God's choice of them is a big deal. And it's something that we're longing for in this society and we find it right here in the book of Ephesians it's incredible we're gonna we're gonna break that down as we move forward in the book of Ephesians more but I just wanted to highlight that right and we get the same kinda of picture um, as he talks in verse 5 about how we're we've been adopted to sonship the same thing right we, we get adopted into sonship even if we are not the type of people that this culture or Paul's culture would have tend to say is worthy of being adopted to be called sons of God Right. This is this is something that God has done for us that is so incredible and so against the grain of the culture. It's just really mind blowing. All right. Let's continue on. Like I said, we'll talk about that idea more as we go forward. But so we got to keep moving. Verse six. To the praise of His glorious grace, which He has freely given us in the one He loves. All right. So Paul points to the reason that this is all happening. His grace and grace is the catalyst. Now grace. Or gift, right? Because Paul kind of will compare grace to gift uh, in chapter 2. And, and, and if you do study in the first century, you see that this word grace even is kind of functions in the same way as gift does a lot of times. Um, just just in, in that world, that's how the word grace is often used. Grace points to the greatness of the giver. Right? It's why we name things after donors. Just think back to, to college if you went to college. How many of the buildings at your school... Were named after someone who who gave money, even though you probably had not even heard of most of these people, right? They they get this thing named after them to kind of as a show of of appreciation uh, for their gift or the fact that this thing wouldn't exist without the grace or the gift of this person, right? That's kind of how grace works for us too. It points to the greatness of the giver, and it's given completely freely through Christ. Let's move on to verses seven through nine. In Him, in Christ, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that He lavished on us. There's that superabundance again. With all wisdom and understanding, He made known to us the mystery of His will according to His good pleasure which He purposed in Christ. Okay? Pause again. Even though Paul's not done, pause again. The big point here is that God's people can be His people and God's people can, can do what He's calling us to because He's washed them clean of sin. right Through His blood, through the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that He lavished on us, we will see that we can now be this people that God has for us. Paul will break this down more in chapter 2, where he actually says that it's through His grace that we are now able to become His artwork. His poema is the word that he uses. That's where we get the word poem from okay we we can be his artwork to go out and do his, do good works paul says but it's only because of our being washed clean from sin right so if there's any call on the church which there certainly is we'll find out in this book we can only accomplish that because god enables us to live it out all right and now we'll find that that the that, that one other thing that god has done for us is he's leaked his plan to us right Paul says in verse 9, He made known to us the mystery of His will according to His good pleasure, which He purposed in Christ. And then verse 10 he says, To be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. So the plan is to bring unity to all things, whether both things in heaven and things in earth. And the church, even though it's it's not explicitly talked about here, has some role to play in that. It's as if Paul has has talked about how there's this disjointedness between heaven and earth that can only be brought together through Christ, through grace of God in Christ. Alright, think of it like a cut, right? You have a cut on your hand or something, and it's it's so bad you need stitches. That stitch brings those two things together, right? The stitch here... In the, the cut, the tear that has caused heaven and earth uh, to, to, be, to be ripped apart, the stitch is God's grace. And, and it's his, his gift of Christ that comes in, that pulls the two together. Now, like I said, Paul, this is a passing comment. He doesn't spell out a ton of it here. And, 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 and he doesn't necessarily give us a, a ton in the rest of the book of Ephesians about what he means. But I want you to think about like this. We're kind of drawing on the rest of Paul's letters here. You have heaven, which is God's space, the, the space that He reigns. okay, and, and then you have earth. And this is kind of the place that, that God used to reign, that He used to be a part of, that He created, that He wanted to indwell with Himself. But through human rebellion, we, we've tried our best to kick Him out of there. right? And that's the story of the fall. That's that's what what, what happened. Um, in, going all the way back to the very beginning, the book of Genesis, this is what we've done. And so now there's this gap between God's space and... And our space, right? And so Christ is bringing them back together. That's God's goal. If you're familiar with the Lord's Prayer at all, you see that this is actually a, a key part of the prayer. When when we're taught to pray that we are we're, we're we're to pray for God's kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven, right? Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is a fundamental thing we're called to pray for: for God to bring His kingdom, to bring His space to bear. In our lives, and that happens fundamentally in the church, right? Now, one day fully, we will see this come when when Christ returns and rules. Okay, but now through the expansion of His church, through the expansion of this space where we are loyal and obedient, we follow God to our flourishing, um, um, brought to brought out by His gift that He's enabled to us, His grace. Okay, we are bringing the overlap of these two back together. That's the goal of the church. Right, and that's a huge reason why we planted a church is because we want to see the overlap between God's space and our space uh, expand, and that it only expands through the church expanding. That's kind of Paul's big idea here. Okay, now let, let's. I just want to pause. Maybe you're asking, like, why, why the grace, why the spiritual blessing, why do we find that God has been planning this from before the time that the world began? Now, it can't be because we deserved it. Right, and Paul will will detail that later on. But we, I think we, even though we, we tend to think today that we are, you know, we're so great, we're so deserving of of everything, and you know, we should get to deserve everything good that ever happens to us, and you know, that, that's not the answer, right? When we when we truly look deeply inside ourselves, we see it's not because we're owed it, right? And the Bible talks about this, and Paul talks about this. So it's not that's not why God kicked things off with His grace. Okay, now we, we've already seen, right, the donor gives money for their name to be shown. God's glory is made known, right? There's, that's one reason he wants to make his glory known. But there's something else that I want you to see here, okay? We talked about this already in verses 5 and 9, um, that God did this in accordance with his pleasure and his will, right? And then he says it again in verse 9, according to his good pleasure. The reason that God did this is because it pleased him to do it. Now we see a glimpse of this whenever we see a grandparent who lavishly blesses their grandkid just because they get so much delight in seeing the smile on the face of that grandchild, right? We get a glimpse of this when when you see how at Christmas time you feel better giving a gift to somebody than you do in getting one. So we get a chance to share in that feeling that God delights in this endeavor because he delights in you. Not because you deserve it, but just because he loves you that much, right? That should break into our negative feelings about ourselves, right? That should make us feel like, even if we feel like we shouldn't be loved, even if we feel like we're completely unworthy, even if we feel like we're a failure, right? Which more of us feel than we care to admit, okay? This should take that view of ourselves and completely wreck it. And being loved by God, then, because... By being invited into his story becomes the most important thing about us. And we're in it because it made God giddy to bring us into it. Right? If, that, if that's you today, if you're feeling uh, negative thoughts about yourself, if you're feeling like you're worthless, you have no value, you're not worth loving, okay, the book of Ephesians starts off with a strong gust of wind that completely blows the fog of that negativity away. So now we've kind of worked through the passage. Let's, let's spend a little time of application. And the first point, this is simple. Maybe it goes without saying, but but it, it probably doesn't. If you aren't a part of God's story, join it. And it's really simple, right? Even though Paul has not actually said it here, it's very simple to join the story. How was that? Well, remember that power tool I talked about before? You have to be willing to accept that grace and let that power tool take you and then build you into that story right to screw you into that story using that the screwdriver head of that thing right let let it take you and remove the old broken parts and to make you into something new into this artwork that paul says that god is making us into through his grace you follow jesus as your king and this becomes your family history too it's that simple and the invitation from from Paul and from us at Res City is that simple as well. We would love to have you join God's story and do it with us at Res City. Our second point of application is break out of living in alternate stories for the promise of living in God's better one. Now we have lots of stories that we can find ourselves getting wrapped up in. What do I mean when I say that? This Let me just read this. This is a quote from an article in The Atlantic by by Julie Beck. And she's talking about Um, how we we story-tize our lives. She says, In the realm of narrative psychology, a person's life story is not a Wikipedia biography of the facts and events of a life, but rather the way a person integrates those facts and events internally, picks them apart and weaves them back together to make meaning. This narrative becomes a form of identity in which the things someone chooses to include in the story and the way she tells it can both reflect and shape who she is. A life story doesn't just say what happened, it says why it was important, what it means for who the person is, for who they'll become, and for what happens next. So we do this on a fundamental level. We take events in our lives and we craft some some narrative, some story for them so we can make meaning out of the world. And we do this at a big level and it's easy for us to get sucked into the big story of liberal versus conservative that's raging all around us, right? That's one way that a lot of people think about the world, and that's the big story that we lived within, okay? We do this at personal levels as well. Uh, I'm just taking, a, taking the, uh, the caption, uh, or the, the little whatever you call it, from an Instagram story. This is from an unnamed NFL player. I won't use his name, uh, but he's a guy who got hurt Uh, during last season, and here's what he says. He's kind of coming back from this injury that, that caused him to miss a part of his rookie season. He says, I know you never make mistakes, God. I know you're challenging me with this because you only give it, and that's kind of the injury, that's kind of the adversity that he's facing, to your toughest soldiers. Now, his post on Instagram is how he's being challenged by God. Now, the goal for him is to become an NFL superstar, to follow his dreams, right? That's a huge narrative. Right, and it's all about attaining that goal, that that dream of of fame and success and money, right? And so, and God's a part of this story for him. We see, right? He he kind of he kind of goes and he 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 kind of pays uh, lip service to that, and he says, um, "Who is God? God is a supporting character, right? It's someone that helps him be the hero and show himself to be a tough soldier, right? So God is a part of his story." but it's not the other way around, right? It's not like this guy wants to see what's taking place with him as part of some larger thing that God is doing, some stuff we're talking about here in the book of Ephesians, but it's kind of the other way around. God is there to kind of service him, right? And God gave him this adversity just so he could show himself worthy to challenge it and overcome it, and God kind of becomes this bit player in his story, right? Now, don't get me wrong. What God does in our individual lives is super important, but... Because they're part of this larger story that Ephesians is trying to tell. That's kind of what gives the importance of what God does in our individual lives. Let me kind of explain what I mean. I'm a big fan of the Marvel movies that have been coming out for the last decade. We've been celebrating all this recently. Um, Lots of fanfare about them. They've done really well. One of the things I think is so brilliant about the Marvel movies is you have... Lots of individual stories and lots of great movies. You have lots of character development focusing on individual characters within certain movies, and that are putting all these different people in different situations. Right, Captain America, Iron Man, Black Widow, uh, Black Panther, Hulk. All these characters are getting their own individual character development. That's really important and really matters in these stories. And you even how all these different types of genres to tell these stories right you have some marvel movies that are heist movies you have some there's like 70s political thrillers or spy movies you have some that deal with magic you have some that are dealing with hot button political issues you have some that are pure sci-fi you have some that are high school coming of age stories you have comedies in there you have a world war ii movie even in there Right? So all of these things have their own distinct identities, these distinct things about them, distinct character growth within them. Okay? But the thing that we've been finding and that we see kind of come into uh, birth here, especially in the last year or so, is that all of these Avengers movies, all of these characters are culminating in this gigantic conflict with Thanos and the Infinity Stones. So everything that has happened has been setting all of these characters up for this big story. Now, all of their character development mattered. All of their, all the things that happened to them, the hurdles that they kind of faced and the stories that they took part in, all of those mattered, but they, they mattered as they played into this larger thing that was taking place, right? And that's how it is for us, okay? God has a wonderful plan for your life that will be lived out in unique ways, that will, that will take place um, in ways that are, are, are just for you, right? And you will look different than the other people who are living within this story, right? But the fundamental part of it is that it includes being a part of God's bigger story, right? That's the thing that gives all of that a meaning that it couldn't have without being rooted in it, okay? And that's why it's so important that we understand our family history. We understand this big story of grace that Paul has talked about here in chapter 1 and that we will continue to talk about as we move through the book of Ephesians. Now, our third point of application, this is our final one for today's sermon, is let's see what we're doing at Res City, all the stuff that we're doing, planting this church, meeting in community groups, meeting on Sunday mornings, getting involved in the community, serving here at the school, getting to know people in the community, um, all of that as part of this plan, right? We as God's people are chosen, we're washed of our sin, we're given knowledge of God's plan so that we can take part in it. And this has really shaped our values. Remember I talked about how imp- fundamental the book of Ephesians has kind of been for us as we put together the vision and values of, of Rest City. Let me just walk through our values because our values spill out of this idea in the book of Ephesians. Our first value is that God's story not ours. Okay? This is a story that God is writing. We are a part of it and our part matters in it. Individually it's unique, okay? But it's fundamentally God's story. And God's story is amazing. It's incredible. It's about the remaking of creation. It's about salvation, it's about undoing evil in the world, right? We're a part of that. Second value we have is Christ at the center. Okay? This is a Jesus-shaped story. Right? He's the one who builds all of this. And we will see that as we move through the book of Ephesians. At every turn, it's about Christ and what He's done. How we are united to Him when we are part of what He's doing. Okay. Our third value, new people, new lives. We believe, for real, that God has made us new people. And now we are called to walk in patterns that reflect that. To, to live out that new identity in our actions. Our fourth value is that we are people are living in community okay we the distinctive shape of the church and this is so important in the book of Ephesians you you'll will, you will see how fundamentally important that it is for us to live united in the book of Ephesians this is specifically what we see in chapter 4 okay but seeing yourself as part of a community and united to one another as being one of the distinctive parts of who we are in Christ that's big for us we're living in community Right, our fifth value is we're renewing culture, right? Uh, we're seeing ourselves um, as here to make this, this thing that God is doing in the world right manifest. So we're here, to, we're here to serve the city. We're here to serve the communities. We're here to love on the people that we're near because we think that's a part of what God is doing and what God has made us new to do. Right? That, that is part of the good works that Paul talks about in, ch- in chapter 2 verses 10 that he's called us to do. Because, like we talked about before, God wants to bring together all things in heaven and earth into unity under Christ. And we do that by serving and loving in our city. So that's a huge part of who we are as Res City. That's a big part of, of what it looks like to be a part of Res City. And then finally, multiplying disciples. We want to invite more people to be a part of this story and then to develop within it, right? To to, to grow and to, and to kind of have all the normal character things that happen in a good story happen to us within this larger story. We want to invite people in that and push people to grow within that, okay? So this is us, right? This is Resurrection City Church. We would ask you to join us. We ask you to step up and take your part in what God is doing at Res City or whatever church you are part of this the story that God is is writing is a part of every church so step in be a part of it and we can't wait to see what God does